This week on Chronicle Headlines, we take a dive into the holiday spirit with the Chris Kendall Market. Chronicle staff reporter Chris Kengetsky joins us to talk about the annual holiday market, what's in store for visitors, this year's mug, and more. This week I spoke to Jordan Perkins who wrote an article about G. Thomas Allen titled Music is What I Am, Columbia Adjunct Wins International Jazz Competition. And lastly, Chronicle staff reporter Rachel Patel talks fast fashion and how capsule closets may be the answer to sustainable clothing. With me today is staff reporter Kristen Getsky. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me, Nathan. So you're here today to talk about the Chris Kendall Market. Uh, for people who don't know, what is the Chris Kendall Market and when did it all start? Absolutely. So this is uh, Chicago's kind of biggest uh, Christmas and holiday traditions, I would say. So it is kind of a bunch of different uh, countries can all come together and show Chicago, you know, what they're about. So it's a one of a kind um, outdoor market and it's this 25th anniversary. So this started in 1996 and it only happened with about, you know, uh, 13 vendors, I would say, and they all came from Germany. But now it's after so many years is up to 55 vendors. And this isn't just Germany. They have Poland. They have Canada. Basically, any country that wants to come to Chicago, show their handmade gifts, novelties, foods, and can basically share their experience and their culture with Chicago. Awesome. And then a bit is the question I have is what kind of what kind of caused it to grow so much? I would definitely say since it is so interesting to see all the different countries, you know, novelties and experiences, people want to go out and learn, right? So for having an outdoor market, it's a fun thing for holidays to go out, go see all the different novelties, go with family, friends, enjoy some food that you might not, you know, experience every day, go buy some gifts that you can give to families, loved ones, friends, and basically it's just a get-together hangout spot and it comes together with all the different cultures and all the different ways to celebrate. Awesome. I can only imagine the types of amazing smells that must be in the air with with just food and and drinks from all over the world. That must be quite the experience. Um, So what I know that the Chris Kendall market, I know there's this a big kind of, so to say, cult following of uh, uh, collecting mugs. And I know that people love to collect mugs every year. What is what is the mug situation like this year? Do you know what they look like? Yeah, absolutely. So for its 25th anniversary, they have two mugs. Um, one of them is a flute kind of cylinder long mug, and another one is a penguin. So anyone from ages 5 to 95 can enjoy these mugs, and these mugs can hold their cider, their hot chocolate. They also have spiked cider and hot chocolate for people who are of age. And it's a basically a collector's item. It's been going on for 25 years, so some people have had it from the start, and some people are just now joining and buying the mug to, you know, start their collection. It's really interesting, and although they don't have the traditional boot mug that they have many years, it's still fun. It's still enjoyable. It's colorful, and they try and represent, you know, coming back in person and being able to physically go there and buy it. Now, do you know why they weren't having the boot mug this year? I do not. Um... They said that they try and switch it up every single year, so the, it's a different color, it's a different font, it's a different shape. They just try and, you know, make it collectible, but also unique, because each year is unique. Awesome. Well, I know that wasn't the event online last year? So because of uh, COVID-19, uh, the Chris Kendall Market was only online, but this year, um, for the person, first time, right? 
Yes. So first time uh, ever this year, buyers and vendors can either sell their things online on the chriskindlemarket.com website or they can sell it in person. And since they have two locations, they have one in Wrigleyville and uh, Daly Plaza, there are so many different ways that you can shop and support you know, these different countries and these different businesses. So from only being online last year, it's a tradition to be able to go, you know, in person, but we also have that online atmosphere of people are still, you know, fearful of going in person and shopping. That makes sense. I'm glad they're 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 making it available to people that might not be comfortable to go in person. No, absolutely. The more options the better. For sure. Now, I know you recently went with Bianca Crizel, uh, you know, a Columbia uh, photojournalist. Uh, what what were some of your favorite things there? So personally, some of my favorite things are going to see all the different um, markets and vendors. One sells, you know, very intricate handmade ornaments. Others sell soaps. Some sell sauerkraut and, you know, traditional German food, which I'm not too big of a fan of, which is kind of offensive because I am part German. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, but basically anything that you think could be a great gift or any representation of countries they have there so there ha- there's something to find there awesome for people who want to visit the chris kendall market the daily plaza location is open till december 24th if you're unable to make it before then you could try the wrigleyville location which is open till the 31st of december also i know you wanted to shout out an upcoming event that wcrx is co-sponsoring take it away Absolutely. So this event is called the After 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 Party. And this event um, is going to raise funds for Greater Food Chicago Depository, which is a nonprofit program that provides free food and services for people facing hunger. And it also is going to host eight student performers. So this is an opportunity and event for students to get together with classmates and, you know, other students, hang out, support local and uh, student performers, and just a way to give back to the community. So this is happening uh, next Friday, December 10th, from 4 to 9 p.m. in the Student Center in the event space on the fifth floor. If you want to attend this event, register on Handshake, and we ask that anyone who wants to attend can uh, come in, bring a canned food as donation as their ticket to get in, and we just hope that this way we can spread a little relaxation after finals and a way to support you know, local food pantries. Awesome. That event sounds like a blast. Does it need to be any particular type of canned food or just any? Just any canned food will do, you know, anything non-perishable that can help anyone and won't expire, obviously, like the next day. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. Thanks so much for coming in. Of course. Thank you for having me. article music is what i am columbia adjunct wins international jazz competition reporter jordan perkins speaks to jazz musician g thomas allen g thomas allen an adjunct faculty member in the music department won the 10th annual sarah vaughn international jazz competition also known as the sassy awards on november 14th at the new jersey performing arts center in newark new jersey
Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. I was reading your article and uh, just the Sassy Awards and G. Thomas Allen as a musician mm-hmm. is just so very interesting to me. And I had a few questions to ask you about what you covered. Yeah. How did the Sassy Awards catch your eye? So, yeah. So that was brought to my attention, I want to say, mid-October. Um, somebody who was who's a PR person for the New Jersey Performing Arts Center um, sent me an email, and I'm guessing because of the coverage I did on the Chicago Philharmonic story. And she kind of told me, like, oh, hey, there's a professor from your school who's um, one of the top five finalists in this jazz competition. And I kind of looked into it. I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is interesting. Yeah, because I had fun with the Chicago Philharmonic story and, like, covering Marcus Norris. And, yeah, I was like, why not do it again? Who is Sarah Vaughn, and why was the competition created? Yeah, so Sarah Vaughn was, I would have to say, one of the biggest jazz icons of her time. So she was very big throughout the 50s. And um, the competition's other name is also the Sassy Awards. And Sassy was also her nickname, one of her nicknames. And so she was a Newark native who got her start from the Apollo Theater's amateur night, um, I want to say sometime in the early 40s. And that's where, like, you know, she kind of was discovered and started doing, like, performing with big bands. I want to say in 2011, when it first started, um, the vice president of NJPAC, the Performing Arts Center, reached out to her estate and they were, and he just wanted to like kind of honor her beginnings as um, a winner of that competition and just started that and it went from there. I was just looking at, like I said, some of G. Thomas Allen's performances and just some of the clips from the competition and what did you learn about him as a musician? Yeah, so I would have to say that like after looking at all his stuff, I would say that he's very versatile. Like just listening to him, I'd say he was a very versatile musician because, you know, he's worked in gospel and recorded an album there. And then he um, kind of ventured into classical music and opera music. Um, when I interviewed him, he mentioned that he was... Um, he studied classical music for a while, so yeah, just talking about like his experience of growing up in church and singing there and just learned that that was kind of like a stepping stone for him. Also, I kind of noticed that he's very passionate. Like I know a lot of artists are, but like the way he like kind of talked about his experiences, I could tell that he really like loves what he does. And what did the competition process consist of? Yeah, so from what I've heard um, and what I've seen, um, contestants will send in um, applications of their singing and so like the so then the judge well no not the judges sorry um the um performing arts center will like from there pick out the top five finalists that they think were good and like we'll move them onto the competition I can't remember how many the vice president Dave Rodriguez um I can't remember how many he said that they get but it's a lot and so they kind of sift through that that way and then once the top five finalists are picked, they will um, they compete in Newark in the Performing Arts Center before a panel of, I think, five judges. And from there, winners chosen from the competition. Yeah. And um, this is just kind of like a side question. Um, I know just like being a journalist, like you get introduced to um, a lot of pieces that you might not be familiar with. And I know you have been covering like these music pieces. And could you just kind of explain like, your experience with that, like the things that you like about that and what you've learned? 
from my experience with like doing all these um, music stories and interviewing, like I, I would say that I've always kind of been interested in music, but I feel like I, this is like kind of delved me further into that world. Um, just cause I've never really had an opportunity before, um, the Marcus Norris thing and now this to like really talk to musicians. So I would say the experience has been pretty fun. Yeah. And just getting to learn about how these people have gotten their beginnings. And I enjoyed talking to Alan and, um, learning a bit about like the competition itself and how it started was just really cool to me. So, yeah. Yeah, he has a very strong voice. I um, understand why he won the award. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much again, Jordan, for coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. And right now, you're listening to Time by G. Thomas Allen. The clock is ticking. With us today is Chronicle staff reporter Rachel Patel. Thanks for coming in today, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know that you specifically are really into fashion, and we're actually here today to talk about fashion, specifically about what you would call a capsule closet and why it may be the answer to building a sustainable closet. So first off, Rachel, what is a capsule closet? capsule closet or capsule wardrobe is essentially just a smaller closet that consists of anywhere from maybe 15 to even 30 pieces. It depends on the person, their lifestyle, but all the pieces in that wardrobe are going to be interchangeable. So you can really just maximize the amount of outfits you have with as little clothes as possible. I mean, why is it called a capsule closet? Because it's like, just it, interchangeable clothes. If it, because it's like, it's small, like it fits in a capsule. Like it's just like, it's just, I think it sounds like, you know, C and C, but it's just kind of a cuter way of saying a small closet and everything can match with each other. And you can just make like maybe 20 outfits with, let's say, this is like five clothes. If you oh, have with only five pieces of clothing? Some, some people, yeah. I've seen like on YouTube, you can look up a capsule wardrobe challenge or I tried a capsule closet for 30 days. And some of these people will be going on vacation and traveling. So they're putting themselves in situations where they don't have access to larger closet spaces. So they're only able to make outfits with whatever can fit in their luggage bags. And some people will go even overseas and they'll live in like Airbnbs or smaller apartments, like maybe in Europe or Asia. And so this really challenges them to make as many outfits as possible with as little clothes as possible because they can't bring their entire closets with them that sounds sounds very interesting i mean just out of curiosity what what is causing people to want to embark on this clothing adventure a variety of reasons um maybe like, like i listed people don't have closet space they're traveling or even if they're students like us they don't have that much space i know like for me i live at 30 east and half of my closet is actually taken up by a dresser that i can't move so I honestly have to just be smart about what I'm bringing and how much I'm bringing. 
Um, maybe, like I said, people travel, people just want to save money. Um, obviously, if you have less clothes, but they all can make a variety of different outfits, you're saving a lot because you don't have to go keep buying different things. Um, and it's just more sustainable. A lot of people are very into the environmental aspect of fashion. So this can save a lot on the production side of like causing people to like go and buy more clothes and in turn make those clothes. So there's a lot of reasons. No, I can see that. And I know in your article, you talk about a bit about, you know, students trying to stay away from fast fashion and mm -hmm. kind of looking towards uh, capsule closets as a possible way to build a sustainable closet. Uh, could you explain a bit about what, what fast fashion is and why people should maybe stay away from it? So fast fashion, it's the, it's the mass production of items that are trendy or going viral at that moment for cheap. And basically, there are a lot of brands, Shein, Romway, Zapple, um, even H&M and Forever 21, Zara, those are all fast fashion. And what they do is they replicate runway style pieces for cheap and they mass produce them. And usually what's happening is those pieces of clothing aren't made from quality materials. And so in a few years or a few washes, however bad the quality is, when you do decide to get rid of those clothes, they'll, they'll just sit in like landfills. Like usually even in thrift stores, nobody picks them up like at Goodwill. These thrift stores, people are honestly talking down on cheating. So it's like <laughs> in, in the long run, these clothes are not going to get picked up. They're not going to be in people's closets for a very long time. And the material doesn't, material is really bad for the environment and then in the sweatshops that people are making these clothes they're treated poorly like the um, workers are underpaid um, usually the salaries are not enough for them to make a decent living out of it and they're all in these other countries so it's important like when you do buy fast fashion you're aware of that if someone's kind of low on funds would will they be able to build a, a capsule closet with fast fashion or is that just Will that defeat the purpose? So the, uh, the whole idea of a capsule closet is to just kind of have a lot of outfits with not a lot of clothes. So obviously if your budget, if you are a student and you're tight on like money and you're working and you have to do all these other things, obviously like it's okay. Like I'm not saying, and I know many people aren't saying like completely boycott these brands. Like if that's what you can afford, then that's fine. And it is most, it's most certainly possible that you can build a capsule wardrobe with fast fashion brands because a capsule wardrobe is essentially it's just basic pieces and then maybe a few pieces that you like that are unique that you know you'll get wear out of so if you can afford like a five if like if your budget is like like maybe five to twenty dollars on like pieces of clothing and that's your limit then wherever you can go to get those clothes by all means you can do that as long as these are clothes you know you will wear over and over again and mix and match with anything else you have in your closet like if you can afford this one shirt and you know you're going to wear that shirt with different pants, different skirts, different trousers, et cetera, whatever, then yeah, definitely get that shirt. Like a capsule wardrobe is just making sure you get the most wear out of everything in your wardrobe. Nice. Thanks for the explanation. That that makes it sound a bit less uh, stressful. Uh, mm -hmm. So if I wanted to start a closet capsule like tonight, you know, what should I do and what are some articles of clothing that I could possibly maybe include and reuse? So definitely, if you want to start tonight, good luck because a lot of stores are closed. It's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I want to try again tomorrow. <laughs> but um, what tomorrow. you first step, definitely go through your closet, look at what you look at what you have at the moment, and ask yourself, is TSL wearing it? And 
a week, a month, maybe a year when trends have been um, swapping at in and out. Like, look at yourself and see, like, are you really, when you, buy, when you buy these clothes, are you following trends or is this something that you see yourself actually wearing in the long run? And then make those piles, like, keep and then give away. Give away the clothes that you don't want and keep, keep an eye out for, like, basics. Like, I mean, like, like black or white t-shirts, plain colored t-shirts, turtlenecks, um, sweaters, jeans trousers have a good pair of jeans and trousers like just sturdy ones that you know you can wear every day they can last in any season have a good pair of shorts maybe or whatever like linen trousers for warmer weather um obviously any skirts dresses whatever whatever honestly it all depends on the person if you work out make sure you have like maybe a couple pairs of those types of clothes as well and then just for shoes shoes are included a white pair of sneakers and then maybe like loafers or like a black boot because those two colors will go with anything in your closet. Awesome. I love that the capsule closet idea is kind of challenging society's kind of uh, the way that society kind of looks down on people for like reusing or rewearing outfits. I know that there's kind of a joke of like, oh, like you're deworked that. And so like people try to avoid kind of rewearing the same outfit. And I know that's kind of a an unspoken rule of like you shouldn't repeat outfits in the same week so I like that this is kind of challenging that and I also feel like maybe I have maybe I've already started a capsule closet because I feel like I've worn these shoes like every day like the past like two weeks so hey maybe maybe I'm on my way yeah you could be and it's really cool because you could wear the same shirt on Monday and then wear the same shirt with a different pair of pants maybe on Thursday and it's really not a bad thing like it's going to be like a basic tee or maybe you're into graphic tees or whatever it's really up to the individual so everyone's capsule order is going to look different and I think that's the biggest thing like to not get discouraged if you can't live with just a small amount like everyone's capsule wardrobe is going to be different because of their lifestyle if your capsule wardrobe has a few extra pieces because you live in an area with four seasons or you work out or you have a job that requires you to dress a little bit differently then that's up to you and that's totally fine but it's just to encourage recycling outfits for sure um, mixing and matching what you do have in your closet to just kind of minimize what you're going out to buy and just kind of like being creative and having fun with it all right, thank you so much. So one of the last questions I have is, so where should people look to buy clothes if they want to be sustainable and not support fast fashion? I definitely suggest um, thrift stores. There are plenty in Chicago. There's one off of the uh, Blue Line stop, the Western Blue Line stop. It's called Discount Family Village, Family Value Village. Um, it's got two stories, so it's got plenty of options. They have really good sweatshirts, really good hoodies. Um, I really like Ragstock. It has recycled clothes. It has uh, jackets. It's got sweater vests. It's got sweaters. I've been loving them recently. And then if you don't want to go outside, honestly, Poshmark, Mercari, and Depop, they're really good. They have a lot of um, used clothes. Some people will just like have their own shops where they'll make even like crocheted items if you want to try those out. But people have been reselling a lot of older vintage items. So if you want like quality sweaters, especially, I highly recommend them because you can actually see like the quality and the pictures that they put. Or like I suggested before, like rag stuff, you can go in person and actually feel the different clothes. But um, honestly, just thrift stores, even changing, uh, swapping with friends. If you know anybody who's trying to clean up their closets, swapping with them, trading with them. Um, I know Columbia as well has a donation um, bin at the student center, I think it is, um, where you can give 
give and donate clothes. So, and then just upcycling, upcycling older clothes that you have. You don't think you've worn it in a little bit. Maybe if it's like a t-shirt, just crop it and see if you'll wear it more. Wearing, finding different ways to just wear what you do have can make you realize you have something you didn't even know you had. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. You have definitely opened a new world for me tonight. I know I'm going to have to go home and take a look at my closet and make some tough choices. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming in. Of course. Thank you. This was the Chronicle Headlines. I'm your host, Nathan Serkin. And I'm Amherst Edwards. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.